Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. So, we are starting this new series, Messiah, from the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be going through this for uh, uh, part of our summer and really trying to just look at different parts from the Gospel of Mark. One that sometimes is sort of forgotten, but I start off by asking this question. What would you do with more time? What would you do with more time? Um, I asked this question on Facebook uh, towards the end of this past week, and I was like blown away by how many people answered in just a short time. There was like over 50-some people who answered, most of them just in the first couple of hours. And you know why? Because that kind of question really resonates with us. Because what do most of us run around saying, I wish I had more time. We're like, you know, the, uh, what is it, the, the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland, you know, always running behind. It's like we feel like, hey, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time. And so people jumped all over it. And there was all sorts of different answers that were given. And I'm not going to necessarily talk about anyone in particular, but some talked about, you know, hobbies. There are these hobbies that I would love to, to do. I, you know, maybe I did them in the past or some, somebody even said they wanted to learn cello. I was like, man, they've got big aspirations. They, they want to learn cello. And then, you know, they want to do different things that they used to do or don't do as much of as they uh, would like to now. Some talked about exercise. Some talked about, uh, they got philosophical with it. Some people did. And, uh, but you know what was said more than any other answer? Well, that was one, but it, it wasn't the most. It wasn't the most was sleep. Some said read. Some said read. That wasn't the most. The most common answer was something to the effect of spend more time with family or friends or loved ones. It, it was like over and over and over and over again. I kept seeing it. And I, I was, wasn't surprised, to be honest, but most of us feel like we don't have enough time to spend with the people who matter most. And we all know the, the cautionary tales, right? Whether we see them on TV or we see them in real life of people who get to the end of their life and they don't wish they had more stuff. They don't wish that they had done this or that. You know, they, they may have a few regrets like that, but there are so many people who get to the end of their life and they say, I wish I'd spent time with the people who mattered most. A little more. And so it's a good lesson to learn. And so here's the thing. We live at this exhausted pace of life, don't we? Right? We live at this exhausted pace of life. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, and, you know, I, to some of you I'm old, to some of you I'm young, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it is what it is. But I remember, like, when we were kids, we just were put outside for the entire summer. You know, that was just what happened. Like, there was no babysitters, there was no, like, checking in with mom or dad, you know, it was just, you were outside. And, you know, but mom, it's 155 degrees in North Carolina in the summer. I don't care. Suck it up. Get out of there. You know, I mean, my mom didn't have a deep voice like that. But, but you get the general idea. But we were just put outside. And now kids, they need their own Google Calendar, don't they? You know, because we are training our children that they are to be booked up and have all these different things. You know, well, I've got an appointment with my manicurist at, you know, at four o'clock. You're four years old. Okay, chill out, you know. But that's kind of the way that we train our kids to be is we give them all these things, these assignments. And they have to have this and they have to have that. And so we're training in them the thing that we, can I be really honest? 
I ask that question a lot, and usually I'm not going to stop if you say don't be honest, but I just ask because it's polite. But if I can be honest for a second, we're training them to do what absolutely drives us insane. We are, aren't we? We get crazy about our schedules. We think, I've got too much on my plate, and what do we do with our kids from like three years old and up for the most part? We train them to do the same thing that they're going to hate later on too. And so we wish we had more time. We live this exhausted pace of life, and more often than not, our relationships suffer for it. Our relationships with our friends, our family, with, with just anybody in general. You know, in the first year of the COVID pandemic, um, there was this huge shift in our world and in our culture. And, and it was said that uh, global prevalence of anxiety and depression increased by a massive 25%. Depression and anxiety in the first year alone increased by a massive 25%. Now, what do you want to bet? We're not statisticians. We're not necessarily, you know, some of us in here are scientists. I, I see a couple sitting out there, I know. But most of us aren't scientists. But what do you want to bet that that number ramped up in 2021? Because don't you feel like in a lot of ways 2021 was a lot harder than 2020? Like we thought 2020 was like uh, going to be this unbelievably difficult year once the pandemic hit. And then 2021 was like, hold my beer. You know, it's like we're coming at this hard. He said beer on stage. Some of y'all just swallowed your tongue. Sorry. <clears throat> but... 2021 was even harder, and so I would imagine if we had the statistics for that, it would be even more intense, more than 25% of an increase in uh, anxiety and depression. And that was released by who? The World Health Organization. That's who released those statistics. And I'm going to read this other little quote from you, for you. It says, research from GWI, it's a statistics organization, reveals that the typical global internet user now spends almost seven hours per day, six hours and 58 minutes to be precise, using the internet across, across all different kinds of devices. Average across the world, not just the United States, but average across the world is about seven hours a day on the internet on some sort of device. Now, for context, I want you to think about it this way, this article says, if we assume that the average person spends roughly seven to eight hours sleeping per day, the typical internet user now spends more than 40% of their waking life online. 40%. And I, I, just to let you know, a lot of times when we talk about it, you know, we talk about the American side of it, and you know, we say this might be an American problem, but it's not just an American problem. South Africans now spend the greatest amount of time online each day with that country's working age internet users saying they spend an average of 10 hours a day, 10 hours and 46 minutes, almost 11 hours on connected activities every day. I, I've got a graphic I want to show you, and it, it may be small, I don't know if you'll be able to see it. But it says up here at the top left, it says time spent using the internet, internet six hours, 58 uh, minutes. Time spent watching television, broadcast, and streaming, three hours and 20 minutes a day, all right? Uh, time spent using social media, two hours and 27 minutes. Time spent reading uh, press, media, online, and physical print. So if you want to get snooty and say, I don't look at news online, I read the paper still, hmm. You're included in this. Two hours. Two hours worth of looking at news. I will tell you right I'm, I'm pause. Everybody pause. Listen to me real quick. If you want your self-image, if you want your view of the world, if you want your happiness to go up, stop listening and watching the news. 
I, I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying don't be educated. I'm not saying be ignorant, but stop watching the news. I don't care which one you watch. I don't care which channel, which, you know, website. I don't care about any of that. But if you just turn that stuff off and went out and met people, you'd feel a lot better about the way the world is. They make money by telling you the worst stuff possible. Okay, sorry. Tangent off, off soapbox, all right. Okay, um, down here, bottom left. Uh, time spent listening to music streaming services, one hour, 33 minutes. Time spent listening to broadcast radio, one hour and one minute. I didn't know there still was regular radio station. Time spent listening to podcast, 55 minutes. And then time spent using a game console, an hour and 12 minutes a day. We fill our days with stuff that just takes our mind away. Am I right? And fills our minds, I would say a majority of it, not all of it, but a majority of it fills our minds with stuff that really doesn't help us. It doesn't help us. Some of it might even hurt us. And back to the pandemic, during the height of the pandemic, as it really started taking off for a while, almost everybody, now not everybody, but almost everybody got a little more free time, right? Right there at the very beginning, the whole world sort of paused, you know, except for healthcare workers, and we know that they've never got a chance to breathe. But they got, we got a little bit of a break. We got forced to slow down, but then something really started to happen. You know, since the whole world sort of shut down, mass amounts of people withdrew from church all across the country. They withdrew from church, and some of them even sort of, over time, not all at once, but started to withdraw from God. And at first, you know, we, we all watched online, right? We watched online, and then we were watching, it was on in the background, you know, we turned it on, and then, oh, well, well, we'll watch it this afternoon because, you know, it's not live, but we can go back and watch the video, and then for a lot of people, it became nothing, we don't watch it at all. And a lot of them, you ask, they, didn't, they wouldn't mean to be dishonest, but they would say, oh, I'm, I'm still going to church online. And I'm not dogging online. We're still doing online right now. And, hey, everybody watching online? That's fine. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But that happened with a lot of people, didn't it? Oh, I, I'm watching church online. You can sleep like you do here, but it's more comfortable chairs. Or your couch or your bed, right? And so you're not truly engaged in being a part. And that happened with so many people. But here's where it got really, really, really dangerous. When the world opened back up to some level, and, you know, it did it in different levels, different waves. But when the world opened back up, we went from a total change of pace to being really slow-paced life that most of us, some of us had never experienced especially our kids, had never experienced a slow pace of life, we jumped back in 120 miles an hour into a full pace of life. And for the people who had really withdrawn from their relationship with church and with God, it wrecked them. It really did. Now, I know this might be hard to hear, but it's something that I think we've got to be honest about. For the people who, they just jumped back into this super rapid pace of life, they didn't have that foundation anymore if they had had it before. Of course, that's who I'm talking about. If they'd had it before, they didn't have this foundation of spiritual depth anymore, and it absolutely wrecked them. We, as a society in a lot of ways, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but it's, it's an honest evaluation. We, as a society, crumbled in a lot of ways. And you saw it, and you see it in, in our mental health, don't you? You see it in our marriages. You see it in addiction that has just ramped up so crazily. You see it in abuse. You see it in isolation. And, and so many people 
who had a foundation before allowed it to crumble. Not everybody. Don't, don't, don't shut me out because you think I'm being too general. But not everybody, but people who had a foundation and allowed it to crumble, when they tried to jump back into that 120-mile-an-hour pace of life, they didn't have the source of strength and foundation that they had before. And with all those other factors and all those other symptoms and all those other things that were caused, we saw mass amounts of people, record numbers of people, who disappeared from church. All across the country we saw it. And it's easy to think that this crushing pace of life, though, is, is new to our modern world. It's, it's easy to think that, right? Because, you know, we're very egocentric and we think that our time, our family, my thoughts, everything about me is the center of the universe. And, you know, nobody's either had it as good or bad as me. And, you know, we just are very egocentric. But it's always been a problem. And we think, oh, it's our hyper-connected world. But I want you to consider Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel. Mark, the author of that gospel, is often, it's often called, this book is often called Peter's Gospel. Because most scholars believe that Mark got all of his, most of his information from the Apostle Peter. And so it's called Peter's Gospel by some people. Because he wrote, Mark wrote down what Peter told him. And it's pretty interesting if you think about it. It reads absolutely like what we would think Peter would be like. You know, if you know anything about Peter from Scripture and from what history teaches us a little bit, is that he was very abrupt. He just jumped out there. He did not think. He just opened his mouth, and he just did stuff and said stuff. Sometimes it worked out okay. Sometimes it was a dumpster fire and a half, right? He just would jump out there and say crazy stuff, and it's very like, hey, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And that's the way the Gospel of Mark starts out. It's little almost bullet points as it goes through the ministry of Jesus. It's quick, it's to the point, it's abrupt, there's not a lot of mincing of words. And in Mark chapter 1, I don't know if this was more Peter or more Mark, but in Mark chapter 1, we hear the word immediately nine times if you're looking at the English Standard Version of the Bible. Same Greek word, nine times is translated immediately in the English Standard Version. Immediately, immediately, immediately is what it does. And doesn't that sound sort of like Peter, what we know of Peter? You know, he's like, all right, we got to go. We got to go. We got to do this. I'm not going to think about it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Come on, let's go. Everybody ready? Come on, get in the car. We're going to go. Come on, get in the wagon. Get in, you know, get, let's go. That's, that's what it is. Immediately, immediately. But you know what? This is roughly 2,000 years old. Life was full of immediately back then. And guess what? Is it full of immediately now? Do you feel like your life is full of immediately? From the moment you get up, is there something or someone or some device or some thought or some emotion that is immediately pouncing on your time? You know, if you've got kids, all God's people said, amen. You know, they are like immediately, 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 they are calling for you. And life is full of immediately, and it was no different for Jesus. It was no different for Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You... I'm sorry, my printer is like jacked up and it immediately needs to be fixed and so I'm going to have to read off the screen. 
And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Then go on to that verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. So here's what happens. We, you know, there's a little bit before where we started reading, but he jumps in and he's like, okay, Jesus is baptized. It doesn't give a whole lot of detail. He's not like Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And so he was very detailed, you know, his handwriting was horrible, you know, but come on, give me something. Okay. But he was detailed, but Mark, no, Mark was not. And he goes in immediately, immediately, immediately. He gets in, he's baptized, and then it says the Spirit immediately carried him out. He went to the desert to be what? Tempted by Satan. His life and his ministry were full of immediately. So Jesus can relate, can he? Jesus can relate to our hectic and our crazy and our our busy schedules. You know, and, and I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Because most of us think, hey, my problems are worse than everybody else's. My schedule is crazier than everybody else's. Nobody can relate. But Jesus can absolutely relate to your hectic, busy schedule. With people clamoring for your time and attention, all the stress, all the noise. Let me even burst your bubble in my burble. burble my little burble. Let me burst your bubble a little bit in my bubble too. Jesus was, had more pressure on him. He was the Savior of the world. And whether people realized that early on in his ministry, they realized there was something different about him, and they were clamoring for his attention at every waking moment, and even when he tried to sleep. But you know what is importantly different about Jesus that most of us don't have in our lives? We have immediately, he had immediately, but you know what we don't have a lot of times? It says in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, three different times that Jesus got away to desolate places. So there's nine times the word immediately is used, and then there are three times where he gets away to a desolate, a quiet place. And it's three times there. And it's a Greek word, aremos, aremos. And you know, a lot of times we might think it just means wilderness or it just means desert, but that's not exactly what it means. It can be that, but it's talking about a place of quiet and isolation where there's very little going on. And Jesus goes to those types of places three times in the first chapter, which is basically like the first day of his full ministry after he's baptized and everything, after the 40 days of fasting and all that sort of stuff. The rest of the chapter is filled out with that first day of public ministry. And so he goes, he's baptized, and after a long day of healing and casting out demons, and then at the end of the chapter he goes to a quiet place, he chose to go to the desolate places rather than the towns, that the, and the people still came to him. And so here's what I want you to think about for a second. For the whole 40 days of fasting and the temptation, I've come to understand it differently than I used to understand it. And maybe you're already there uh, and you're maybe smarter than me. But in case you're, you know, you're right along with me, I want you to think about this for a second. I used to think of the 40 days and him being tempted as a moment of weakness. But I've come to look at it differently. I believe that when he goes out and fasts for 40 days and then he faces the temptation of Satan, I believe he fasted because that got him to a place of strength. 
He had to get away where it was quiet, away from the clamoring of everybody else, away from the crowds, away from everybody wondering what he was going to do next. And he got away and he had to hear the voice of God and he fasted for 40 days. He was hungry, he was tired, he was alone and he's tempted. But it was really a moment of strength. So perhaps, perhaps if you would think through this with me. I think he needed to control the man in him so the God part could be in control. Because Jesus was God and he was man. And, and it's hard for you and I to understand. You know, I, I can grasp it a little bit, but to truly understand it, it just, just blows my mind. But I believe that he had to get the man part under control so he fasted for 40 days and just got so he could hear the voice of the Father and he was getting ready for this temptation that comes. He got to a point of strength so that the God part could be in control during that very pivotal time. He needed to control his flesh so the spirit could be in control. He needed to control it. And that's what the fasting did. That's what the prayer did. And we need the same. Some of you are like, all right, I'm out. You're talking about fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? <laughs> I'm not necessarily talking about fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. But I think this is true. You need to get away and listen to God so your flesh is under control and the spirit is in control. You hear that? You and I need to get away where it's quiet so that we can listen to God so that our flesh is under control and that the Spirit of God is in control in our lives. We need quiet. We need rest to hear the voice of God. But our world is continually screaming at us and hollering at us. And life just keeps coming at you, doesn't it? It keeps coming at you. Because life just keeps coming at you. And after a long day of healing and casting out demons that Jesus did, it's said of Jesus here in, in verse uh, 35, I believe it is, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. Here's the second time he does this. He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I think we've got another verse. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. So after a rapid pace of ministry, he, he's baptized, he starts, you know, he goes away and he's tempted. He starts his ministry and he's done all this crazy healing and done all these um, uh, amazing things. He gets away in solitude and he prays. And what did they do? They still hunted him down. And like toddler fingers under the door while your mom is on the potty. It's like they're here. Hey, 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 we're here. And they're searching for him and they find him. He's trying to get away. So I, I just want to say this. Moms, Jesus feels your pain. He absolutely knows. You know, he absolutely knows. I don't think us dads can quite understand because, you, you know, you can be there on the couch watching TV and your kid will get up, walk past you and go ask mom for a cup of juice, Right? Is that not the truth? I'm just being honest. It's the truth. I know it's true. And so Jesus feels your pain, moms. But here's the thing. 
it's one thing to know that you and I need to get away to a desolate place. Because if you've been in church for any amount of time, you might know, hey, I knew, do need to have, you know, it's been called different things. It's been called quiet time, a devotional time. Uh, you know, you fill in the blank. There's probably other versions of it. But, and so you know this in theory. We can know this stuff, but it's easier said than done in 2022. Am I right? It's easier said than done in 2022. So what do we do? So here's a few practical suggestions I want us to look at really quickly. First, I want you to do this. Consider this. Give the morning to God. Give the morning to God. Um, some of you are already pushing back. I, I, I know this because I was one of those who always pushed back. I was not, I'm still, I'm becoming a little bit of a morning person in my advanced years, <laughs> but I was not a morning person for a long time. And so the idea of getting up even earlier than I had to be up and reading my Bible and praying was like, that's a negative ghostwriter. The pattern is full. I had to give a little bit of a nod there to one of the best moves I've seen in a long time. So I'm, I was hard. it was not an easy thing for me to do. I could not get up earlier because I was just tired. I'd stay up really late. I, you know, for years I was a youth minister besides when I was a, just a kid being crazy. And I was a youth minister and so my schedule was crazy. I couldn't get up early. I didn't think I could. I couldn't focus. Couldn't, you know. And so I said, I'm going to do it at the end of the day. I know I need to read my Bible. I know I need to pray, but I'm going to do it at the end of the day when everything is calmed down and it's quiet. And I had all these really good rationalizations. And you know, I'm going to lay in my bed and I'm going to start to read my Bible, and it says in Mark chapter 1, Jesus. <laughs> and I was asleep. Maybe I made it a paragraph. Maybe I made it a, a whole chapter every time or whatever I was trying to read. Maybe I did. Maybe when I prayed, I actually got to say amen instead of just saying amen in the morning when I woke up. You know, I, I, sometimes I did okay, but I could not get a consistent time with God that really helped. And so I'm telling you, I'm not saying you have to do it in the morning, but I'm saying look at the example of Jesus. Now, this in Mark chapter 1 is not the only time that he gets away early in the morning. There's different places through the Gospels where he sees it. And I would say look at the idea of just the way time works. Give the morning to God. Uh, people have said for many years, uh, like with your money, give to God what is first, not what is left over. And I would say to consider your time that way too. Give God the first part of your day, not what's left over, the scraps that you have. And it's not just from the God perspective that I want you to consider this. Many people will say, well, I focus better at night. And for some of you, that's true. For some of us, but for most of us, it's not the case. Think about this. After a day full of distractions and pain and a shouting world and all these things screaming at you, it may be hard to hear the quiet, still, small voice of God over all that yelling all day long. Is that fair? It may be hard to actually hear the quiet, still. when everything else has been screaming at you all day long. So think about it this way. I love what Scotty said, and it's so amazing to me to see the way when people lead the communion talks, it almost always connects, even though we don't really plan it that way. And I, I had this statement I want to share with you. It's really similar to what he said. Don't filter Jesus through your day. Filter your day through Jesus. 
And so one of the things I learned, and I fought against this. Don't, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. If you're one of the people that says, I can't do it in the morning, I'm too busy. You know, even if you are a morning person, it's like, well, I got to do this, 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 this. I got to get to work, and I got to do it at the end of the day. Consider for a while. Just try it. Do it in the morning. Because you and I need to do, have Jesus first and let our day be filtered through him rather than going to the end of the day and trying to you know, filter Jesus through our day. We need to make sure that we hear what God's word is. We start off, and I, can, I challenge you to consider it. Take this challenge and see if it doesn't improve your outlook and your way of life. And maybe you make some time to read and pray early in the morning. And, and you might feel like, well, I don't know what to read. I, one of the things we've been doing for a few weeks now is we've been going on version, and we've been sharing a Bible plan that we encourage anybody in our church family or anybody to join us reading with together. And there's a little thing where you can comment. Some people comment, some people don't. It's fine. But we say, hey, we're reading together. And it's really cool to see it grow. There's more and more people that are reading along each week. Do it. It's not a long passage of Scripture normally. It's maybe a little devotional thought and then some Scriptures that go along and maybe a question or two. But say, hey, this is what I'm going to do if you don't have a regular habit of being in God's Word. Well, the second thing is this. Cut back on notifications. This is really practical stuff. Cut back on notifications. So give the, the day, the morning to God and cut back on notifications. Do you know that depending on where you look for the statistics, average American gets 46 notifications on uh, their phone per day. Some statistics said uh, near 100 that the average American gets. So anywhere from 46 to 100 notifications. You know, you're talking... And, you know, even if you don't take the phone out, you know, if you're uh, super spiritual and you've got a smartwatch. I've got two smartwatches right now. I'll tell you that story later. But if you're super spiritual and you've got a smartwatch so you don't have to pull your phone out and you try to do the whole, well, somebody's talking to you. You try to do that. It's still, and even if you don't look at your watch, even if you don't pull your phone out of your pocket or your purse or whatever, you still, you, you, you feel it, and it takes your attention away from whoever it is you're around, right? And we do it. 46 to 100 times a day on average, you get 46 notifications. That works out to an interruption every 20 minutes during your waking hours. Every 20 minutes, you're being interrupted and taking off of the course of whatever it is you were focusing on. So here's a, just very, very practical ideas. This isn't, Jesus didn't tell you to do this, but I think, it, I think it's an idea from his principles. Change your notification settings on your phone. You can go in and do that, and if you don't know how to do that, ask a 10-year-old, and they will <laughs> hook you up. They'll hook you up, maybe even a 4-year-old. They, they can probably change them for you. Um, but go and change the notification settings on your phone if you have a smartphone. Go in and do that. Make sure, you know, you can cut some of them off completely. Um, you don't have to know the, the score of the croquet game in Indonesia. You know, you just don't, you know, unless you really like it. But you don't need to know. Cut some of them completely off. Have some of them just be summarized at the end of the day. But slow down some of those notifications. Do you have to know that everybody comments or likes your Facebook post every second that they do it? Do you have to? No. Wait and do it. Check it at the end of the day and say, okay, I'm going to see if they really love my words of wisdom, you know, or my memes. I love memes. They make the world go around. Um, I'm going to check at the end of the day, or I'm going to check twice a day. I'm going to check at lunchtime. Then I'm going to check, you know, maybe before I go to bed. Do you need to know when every email comes in? 
No. I mean, some of your work emails, yeah, you might need to know. But your personal emails, can't they wait till the end of the day? Can't they wait till a couple of times a day? Consider, now, this is radical. Consider turning off your phone at a meal or bedtime. You want me to talk to my family at a mealtime? I'm supposed to be catching up on Netflix while I'm eating my food. You know, I mean, it's, I mean I'm guilty of that too. It's like, turn your phone off at a mealtime or turn your phone off at bedtime. Do you need to have your phone right beside you all hours of the night? You might be a first responder, yeah, you might need it, but not everybody does. Consider leaving your phone downstairs to charge overnight or at least in your bathroom, not right beside you. Consider saying, I'm going to be unplugged for a few hours a night so I can rest and I can rebuild and replenish. Well, here's another idea. Control what you can control in your schedule. Because I have been there, I have done that, and I know some of you are thinking it. You might be thinking it online. You're thinking, I don't have a lot of say over my schedule. My job is demanding. I have to do this then. I have to do this, this, this. You know, I've got my kids' things. But we can control something in our life, can't we? All right, I want you all to do a little exercise with me here. Repeat after me. I can control some things in my life. What I said is true. Because <laughs> some of y'all are like, mm -mm. I can't, I can't. You just made me lie, you know. It's true. There are some things in your life that you can control when it comes to your schedule. And here's, I want you to think about this for just a second. Um, you may say, I can't do it, but that's quitter talk, and we don't have quitter talk, right? We don't do that. You might, maybe you can't make your work schedule. That's fine. I understand that. You know, you, don't, you might not have a flexible schedule. Your, your boss, your employer says, hey, this is when you come in. This is what you got to be on the clock. You got to be da-da-da. I understand that. I'm not, not going to argue with you about that. But you know what you can do? You can evaluate your internet, your TV, your social media time. And if you, if you try to get high and mighty, you know, and say, oh, I don't do those things within reading your stone tablets or whatever it is you do, I don't know, if you're not on the internet and TV and all that sort of stuff. But you can control and evaluate that time that you spend. Once again, ask a 10-year-old, let them show you how to control uh, your screen time on your phone. It'll, you can shut it down after like two hours of uh, Netflix time or, or Disney Plus or da 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 social media, Facebook, Internet, you know, Twitter, whatever. Uh, you can have it shut down after a certain amount of time. Use that app on your phone to shut it down. Here's something radical. Schedule your TV or Netflix time, your streaming time, rather than just letting it happen when you get bored. You know, say, okay, for an hour and a half or two hours every night, that's it. That's what I'm going to watch. I'm, I'm just going to do it. And you might be saying, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. Because why? You're addicted. I'm addicted. We are so addicted to our entertainment now. And we think, I can't say no. I just got... But yes, you can. You can take control of something in your schedule. So if you do some of those things, if you take some of these ideas, can I, can I pause real quick and say this? You're not sinning if you don't do this stuff. But if you don't try to do some of this stuff, you're missing out. 
You're missing out on some of the richness of having a deeper relationship with God and these people that you care about. But if you've got all this newfound time now because you set your notifications to be less and you, you've got your screen time, your downtime on your phone, you schedule when you're going to watch some TV or, or, or read or whatever it is you're going to do, what do you do with all this newfound time? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to plan fellowship with God, family, and church family. If something is important to you, even if you're not a planner, if something's important to you, you're going to plan it on some level. And what needs to be important to you and I is time with God, with family, and our church family. You absolutely need it. You have to plan what you want to happen in this life. Am I right? A lot of y'all are afraid of saying yes. <laughs> it's like, he might hear me. He's going to go back and listen on the recording. Oh, yeah, Tyler said yes. I'm going to book him for something, you know. That's what we're thinking. It's like, I can't say yes too loud because, they, you know, they're going to be checking up on me and say, well, thanks for volunteering. For the <laughs> That's not what we're trying to do here. But you have to plan for what you want to happen. Life doesn't happen truly by accident. And spending real quality time with people that you care about and, pe and time with God doesn't happen by accident. If it happened by accident, you and I wouldn't be struggling the way that we are right now. Am I right? If it happened by accident, I am completely qualified. There's not many things I'm completely qualified to teach on all the time, but I am completely qualified to talk to you about establishing some routines in your life. You know why? Not because I am a super routine person. It's because literally routine makes my skin crawl. I am like ADD squirrel uh, that, about stuff. I don't like repetition, you know. I, you know, the way to drive me insane is to put me like on an assembly line doing something over and over again. Literally, like if Sherry asked me, can you help me stuff these envelopes or something like that? After I do like four or five or ten envelopes in a row, my, my hands start to twitch. Repetitive stuff drives me crazy. And so I'm like that in every area of my life. I want new experiences. I want to do this. And so for a long time, I shrugged away from routines. I was a responsible person. Don't, don't misunderstand me on that. But I did not like routine. But over this past few months, I have gotten on an early morning routine that has helped me draw closer and closer to God in ways that I never, ever imagined. And so I'm saying if you don't think, you, if you're a routine person, this is great for you. It's easy for you. But for some of us who are not, you need a routine to schedule your time with God, with people, and with, with others to make sure you grow closer to God with your family and with other people. I developed routines that help my relationship with Jesus, and you can do it too. And here's why this is important. You want to help your relationship with Jesus because guess what that does? It helps your relationship with everybody else. If, you can, if I can do it, you can. So you need to schedule family time. You need to schedule your time with God and say, this is going to be my plan. It doesn't have to be super planned out. But you schedule your time with God. You schedule your time with family. And you need to schedule time with church family. You, you need to be involved and connect with other people. That's why we talked about connect groups. It's not so we can count numbers and say, oh, we've got this many people. It's because we know that being connected with one another is where real growth and depth comes from. And when life falls apart and goes crazy, you've got a source of strength along with God to help you get through these times. And we need each other. And so plan these times. When you see an event coming up, don't say, well, if it works out, we'll go. <clears throat> say, that's going on the calendar. I'm serious. 
I'm serious. This, I'm not trying to be legalistic, but I'm just saying, if you want to see change in your life, in your development as a Christian, as a believer, as you want to get deeper in relationship with people so it helps you share the love of Jesus with other people and honestly feel the love of Jesus, make these things a priority. Jesus made time to get away with the Father because he knew that life was full of immediately. And if you want to truly follow Jesus, we have to learn to live like Jesus did. And so that even means in some of the things that seem sort of hidden in the Gospels that helps us. He knew exactly what he was doing, so try to mimic some of the, the activities of his life. Notice what he did. He never pushed people to the side. Now, sometimes he got away, but when he was with somebody, he was engaged, wasn't he? The people that other people ignored, he focused on. And so we can learn some of these habits of Jesus, not just to blindly follow Jesus, but to figure out how to try to live like Jesus lived, to become more like him. It's time to practice what Jesus lived, not just what he preached. So take some time every day. Get away, even if it's not physically get away. Get away to a quiet place where there's no distraction. Be still. Listen to God, talk to God, and you will start to experience that joy, that peace that passes understanding. Think about this. A lot of us like Jesus, don't we? It's not a trick. We like Jesus, don't we? But we don't all want to be like Jesus. Because if we live and act like Jesus, if we become like Jesus, then that means a lot of our time and energy is not going to be about ourselves. It's going to be about other people. And that's uncomfortable. And so here's what I want you to consider as we, we wrap this all up. Your family, your, your heart, your, your life, your friends will be thankful that you decided, I want to become more like Jesus. And as you realign your priorities in your life and say, I want my life to look more like the pattern and the pace of Jesus, you may even find time for some of those hobbies you want to enjoy. You can play the cello. <laughs> you can sleep. You know, Jesus took naps. That's a good thing. Be like Jesus. You will find some more time as you reprioritize your life and find out what's most important. So today, as we wrap it up, very practical I want you to consider a couple of things. If you need a jump start, it's something we talk about quite a bit, is I want you maybe if you're struggling with finding time to read God's Word and you don't know what to read when you get there, sign up to be a part of our Bible plan. You can find that out through the church app, what plan we're doing. We're starting one right now that's going through the Gospel of Mark as we're going through the series. And say, okay, I'm going to get focused on hearing what God has to say to me. And then another thing that we want to challenge you and encourage you to do is consider signing up for our discipleship study where you'll be paired with a, a person who's going to kind of walk through it with you and it's at your own pace. But spend time getting into God's Word and getting deeper and falling in love with Him and finding out who He is and who you are in Him or how to get in Him. Find out these things so that you can become a person who loves, lives and looks and acts and loves more like Jesus. In a world full of immediately, it's time to do one thing immediately, and that's make sure your life belongs to Him. Don't wait any longer. 
If you need to follow Jesus with your whole life, we'd love to share the gospel with you. If you believe in him and you're willing to repent of sin, confess him as Lord, you can meet him in baptism, he'll wash away your sins, he'll give you his Holy Spirit, and you can begin this journey of following him. Or maybe today it's another step you need to take to get to that point or past that point. Maybe today you need to say, I'm going to try to live more intentionally, get quiet, hear the voice of God, so I can get deeper in love with God and love other people better. If you've got something that you want to talk about and you want to pray about, we'll be right here over on the side. We'd love to do that with you. But whatever it is we're going to do, let's do it immediately. Let's stand up and sing. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement in Seed.